Amen. I, I want to invite you, if you have God's word uh, this morning, and I trust that you did bring the word with you today so that we might do a little bit of work, and that's what we want to do. So let, let us go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to begin around verse uh, 22, and we'll start reading there around verse 22. You can follow along, but there's a, a few things that, that I want to share first or ask, really. And, and the, first, the first one is this. Um, what do you fear? Just out loud. I want to have some of you respond. Uh, what do you fear? Somebody out loud. No wrong answer. What do you fear? Say it real loud. Oh, fear itself. Awesome. That's good. I'm going to say that. What else? Somebody said something. Did you say, did you say crocodiles? Okay, crocodiles. If I was swimming with the crocodiles, I'd fear the crocodiles. Good. What do we fear in life, really? Sometimes, uh, go ahead. Okay, change. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we don't want to admit that, but, but change is tough. And maybe it's transition from maybe home to college or something like that, or being a graduate and graduating college and having to go out into life and begin to make some life decisions. It could be kind of scary, right? Kind of scary stuff there. What else do we fear? Don't be shy. Go ahead. Somebody out loud. Okay, war. That's one thing. Some, something else. Yeah, loss. Uh, that's a big deal. And, and in fact, people that have suffered loss and then they begin to even fear it more. Or as we get older in life, that's something that's, that's, that's real, that suffering loss. Um, and, and we could get caught up in that. What else? Any other ideas? What do we fear? Okay, failure. It's easy, you know, to fear maybe I'm going to fail. Why should I even try? Anybody else? Real loud. Say that again. The unknown, we fear the unknown. So there's a lot of fears in life that we wrestle with, we have to deal with. And, you know, the biggest thing about that, the reason why I mention it, is because it, it, it's a part of being human. I mean, if you want to know uh, if you're alive or not, then, then ask the question about fear. Because, you know, if you're, you're fearful of something, that, I mean, what a good sign that you are alive. And Diane, she mentioned one quote that I have there in the bulletin by Franklin D. Roosevelt. He said, the only thing that we have to fear is what? Fear itself. And, and we've heard that. I don't know how many sermons and speeches that has been inserted into uh, because it's such a great statement that, that fear is something that oftentimes, I mean, it just it's like cold fingers around our neck. It just grips us. And even stops breathing when we are really afraid of something. I mean, it's part of being human. And in fact, there are three different fears that I can think of, aside from spiritual fear that we're going to get to. But there are three different types of fears that we have to wrestle through as human beings. And one is a physiological fear. Like, for example, you get in an accident and all of a sudden there is this shock. You know, maybe somebody slams into your car and then you realize afterwards your heart is beating fast, your palms are sweating. And so you have physiological fear or the kind of physiological fear of standing on the top of a 30 story building and you look off the edge of that building and your stomach starts to do these flips. You ever experience that looking off a bridge or looking, you know, off a building or a high place? You know, the fear of height and, and you can feel it in your stomach. You know, so you have the fear, you know, some kind of fear like or, or you can just having fun. You can be driving 70 miles an hour at nighttime and then you turn off the headlights. <laughs> you want to get a response from somebody that'll give it a response. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's kind of that's a mean joke. I've done that before. And uh, uh, it kind of reminds me of the joke of this uh, about grandpa. This young man said, I want to I want to die like grandpa. When I go, I want to die like grandpa quietly in my sleep. 
not screaming and hollering like the people in the back seat. <laughs> so we have physiological fear. That's one kind of fear. Then we have a second kind of fear is situational fear. You know, it's possible that maybe you're getting ready to have surgery and you hate going through surgery. And maybe it's the first time, and so you're in this situation. It's a difficult situation, and you're there waiting, and you're not sure what's going to happen. And so you have this fear about surgery. Or maybe it's the fear of flying. Anybody here have that fear? You have the fear of flying in an airplane. And so maybe in that situation, it's just not you know your best choice or your first choice. And so you're maybe afraid because you're going to have to get on that plane, and you're going to do you know you're going to have to fly. Or maybe you've heard that. Um, the company is going to be laying some people off and you're afraid what are you going to do? How are you going to support your family? So there's situational fears. But then there's a third one. The third type of fear that we face sometimes is, is there are phobias. We have different phobias sometimes, like maybe the fear of germs. You know, anybody like that? They have the fear of germs or maybe maybe it's the fear of small spaces. They're claustrophobic. The fear, fear of small spaces or the fear of crowds. There was this lady that attended her church in Florida and she was afraid of large crowds. And in the winter, our crowds would get very large. We're in Florida, so we had all these people who would come down in the winter. We called them snowbirds and the, 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 the congregation, the sanctuary would be just absolutely packed on the sides and the back. And we'd put people on the stage even. And, and, uh, and so she had this fear of large crowds. And so what we did is we put a TV in a room, hooked it up on a cable, and she watched the service from the small room. And a few other people kind of joined her on that. And so she had this fear. So we have fears. And, and what we're saying is there's nothing more human than, you know, having fear. It, it reminds us that we're alive, right? And in fact, some of the fears that we have uh, are, are good because there are mechanisms that help us protect ourselves maybe in in emergencies. But then there are fears that, that, that wear down our self-esteem or our self-worth because maybe we're fearful of stepping out and starting something that we've never started before or maybe we're fearful in this whole spiritual thing, this thing that's about a relationship with God and so it's fear that holds us back and you know and the enemy loves us loves us you know allowing these fears to take over in our life and so we we understand that fear also can be a negative one quote that i came across is this fear is that little dark room where negatives are developed <laughs> i mean think about that for just a minute because the enemy loves to play on that. He loves to get and become a part of your thinking in such a way that it prevents you from really rising up and being, you know, everything and all that God wants you to be. In fact, let's go to our passage. So this idea should not be much of a surprise because we see fear here in, in the disciples' experience in their lives. And so we go to Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22, and let's read down through 26. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. He had just fed 5,000, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And so they had just witnessed Jesus doing this spectacular miracle. And so he then dismisses them and he says, OK, get in the boat, go across the lake there. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word today. I thank you, Lord, that you understand us completely, whether it is situational or whether it's physiological or whether it is, yes, even spiritual, Father. You know about the things that we have to face in life and the challenges that, Lord, that come with this emotion, this experience that we have that's called fear. But, Father, I pray for, for one this morning, that one young person or that one mom or dad today that is maybe either processing through something. I just pray that your spirit would just come and just descend down upon that one or that family, that home, and that we would experience your presence, we'd experience your peace. And your understanding, no matter what it is, no matter how complex the situation might be, I ask, Father, humbly that you would just come right in the middle of that and just bring us peace and remove fear, Father. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for your presence. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Now, I'm trying to imagine myself. I mean, just bear with me. Kind of go with me just a little bit. I'm trying to imagine myself there in the boat. With the disciples, so the wind is blowing. In fact, in the book of Mark, it says it calls it a storm. And so there is the storm that is upon them. The wind is blowing, and you can imagine the rain being whipped around, maybe stinging their faces. And so the disciples are there in the boat, and and they see this. What happens before them? Jesus appears, and, and maybe this shows us how fear can keep us from God's will. Because there are those that are straining against the oars. They're dealing with the storm. Maybe somebody's wrapping a rope. I mean, I'm just imagining what it was like to be there at that, at that point in the midst of the storm. Because as the storm is whipping around and the storm is raging, here comes Jesus in the midst of the storm. And you can imagine it was probably maybe kind of an inconvenient time. I mean, it should be a good experience, right? When we encounter Jesus, it should be a a good experience. I mean, it should be a a great experience when we encounter Jesus, the Savior. I mean, but at this time, it was maybe not the best time for Jesus to show up because, I mean, they're dealing with the storm and all of that. I mean, whatever things that were on their mind. but, But, you know, that's exactly what the enemy does. The enemy loves to approach us. He loves to attack us when we're off balance. He loves to approach us when maybe things are not the way that we want them to be or we're just a little bit off course or maybe a little bit off balance. And and he loves to take this fear, this emotion of fear and suppress what otherwise would be a good experience or a great experience in Christ. And folks, that emotion, it affects us. It affects us. I remember as a a young boy about third grade, I, I had a neighbor that had a black lab. A beautiful family dog, and, and it was a nice dog, but, but for some reason, I, I, it just, things just didn't work out this afternoon. I went up to the dog, and I straddled the dog like this, and I've seen the owner do this many times before, but of course, I'm just a little guy, third grade, and I started scratching the dog behind the ears like this. Whatever happened, he was irritated, agitated, and he immediately, I mean, in a split second, he turned and he grabbed my hand. And he bit down, bent through my hand, and he shook my hand like this, and my hand was bleeding. And I remember as a little boy, of course, my folks took me to the hospital, and I remember, you know, taking medicine and shots and all that stuff, but my hand hurt all night long. And because of that experience, I want to tell you something, I was gripped with fear, the fear of dogs. 
And, and I'm saying that fear just kind of raped me of any joy in life because I was afraid to ride my bike down the street that I might encounter a dog. I, I was afraid to go to my friend's homes if they had a dog because of that experience. I, I was terrified of dogs. Now, a few years later, maybe it's three or four years later, I was so tired of being afraid of dogs that I just kind of decided in my mind, I, I'm not sure how I processed it. I'm not sure of the emotional psychological levels that I went through. But all I know is I was tired of being afraid of dogs and I decided in my mind I was not going to be afraid of dogs anymore. And then the switch kind of flipped in my mind and I wasn't afraid of dogs anymore. Guess what my favorite animal is? My favorite pet? My favorite animal is a dog. I love dogs. We have a we have a bulldog. She's terrible. I mean, she's She's scary. No, she's not. Her name's Zoe, and she's anything but scary. But anyhow, we love dogs, and I love dogs. And I, I think processing, of course, through that was a key there. There's no question about that. But if, if we do not process through our fear, and I'm not sure what that brings to mind in each of your minds, whether you're you know, 15 years of age or whether you're 55 years of age. But that emotion, it's a real dynamic in life. Don't you guys agree with that? I mean, that's a real, it's a real dynamic. And, and I know that if we do not process through the fear sometimes, what happens is fear creates what it fears. Fear creates what it fears. A man by the name of Dr. Paul Turnier, he writes this. He says, fear creates what it fears. It's like, don't look at the tree. If you're afraid of driving off the road, then do not focus on the tree that's on the side of the road because that's exactly where you begin to veer and you begin to steer towards is the thing that you're looking at rather than staying on the road and you're afraid that you're going to drive off the road. It's like the idea that, that you're afraid of, of losing maybe that boyfriend or girlfriend. You're afraid of losing somebody that you love and, and then anxiety kicks in. It causes you to be clingy. And you start hanging on tighter and that kind of dysfunction then pushes them further away. You see, fear creates what it fears. And so the very thing that you fear, it just happens like the skier that starts being afraid that they're going to fall. Then what happens? They fall. And we understand that that very human process. But what I'm saying is the enemy loves to build on that. He, he loves to do that. In fact, the scripture says that he is like a. A lion roaming to and fro. And he is, he is a master of chaos. And he wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take whatever joy you have in life. And he absolutely wants to rip it from you. Because that's what the enemy does. He's a liar. That the Bible says that in John chapter 8. That he's a liar. Has always been a liar. Always will be a liar. And so we recognize he loves to build on that emotion. That is, that is called fear. And so then that begins to tip over into this thing that we call spiritual life. It really does. Because you know what spiritual fear is? Spiritual fear or, yeah, spiritual fear is, is having no faith. That's what spiritual fear is. It's, it's having no faith. And, and the enemy wants you to live in the realm of the fear. He really does. He, he wants you to be fearful of, of taking the next step spiritually or fearful of making a commitment to Jesus Christ or saying that, you know, Lord, I, I, I want to live holy. He wants you to be fearful of that. And so he will play upon your past failures. He'll remind you of all the things that you've done that's been a big mistake. And you'll say, okay, you know, I, I better not do this again. And so he plays on that, that emotion of fear and he uses it against you. And you know what, what the opposite of living in the realm of fear is? It's the realm of the Holy Spirit. 
It's the realm of the Holy Spirit. And, and if we can live in the realm of the Holy Spirit, then, ladies and gentlemen, we end up defeating fear in our lives. Amen. And that's literally what Jesus wants you to have is victory over that fear in your life. So so you say, well, pastor, how can we handle this? And and bear with me, because there there's some good thoughts here, I believe, from this text, from the scenario of what the disciples had faced there on the lake in the midst of the storm. Say, Pastor, well, how, how do we handle spiritual fear? Well, there's some simple ways that we do that. I mean, we can take, again, a hint from the disciples' experience. The first thing that we can do is we can hear God's voice. In the midst of whatever the storm is, hear God's voice. I mean, no, no matter what's going on, hear God's voice. Because God is a God of mercy and he is a God of encouragement and he is a God that, that loves you. And in fact, the love of God is an extravagant love. Did you know that? The love of God is an extravagant love. It's, it's beyond just him writing you a note and saying, hey, by the way, I love you. I mean, it's more than that. It's more than just a room full of flowers. It's, it's more than you can ever imagine. This is a God that becomes flesh. And he goes to the cross and he dies on the cross because he loves you. That's the kind of God that we serve. He is a God that is extravagant in his love and he pours his love out upon you. And folks, man, if you've not experienced that, I invite you to experience that in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we, we recognize that. What's the second thing that we learned from our text this morning? There's, a, there's another one there. Look at it for just a moment. Can you see what it is? The, the second is move towards the Savior. The move towards the Savior. The enemy does not want you to move towards the Savior. And I imagine in the storm, as Jesus approaches the boat, I can imagine, even though they're busy and it's a bad time, maybe possibly, and, but yet it's in the storm that Jesus approaches. And in the midst of the storm, as Jesus approaches, and I can imagine all the heads and all the eyes of the disciple, they turn and they look at Jesus. And, and I believe the best thing that we can do when life is hard is that we can move towards the Savior. Amen? Move towards the Savior. And we notice here uh, the conditions were not ideal. But yet, of course, we see that there's one that responds. How about now? Okay, good. And there's one that responds. His name is Peter. And Peter... He gets out of the boat, and we can read the text there. He gets out of the boat, and as long as his eyes are upon Jesus, he's walking on the water, and things are fine. Of course, when his eyes are taken off the Savior, then he begins to sink. And so moving towards the Savior, I mean, it's not that profound. We can do that. We can move towards the Savior. And we recognize that that's exactly the the example that they give us here. And then the, the third one is to invite Jesus into your boat. So let's think about this for a second. So we hear God's voice. I mean, the the wind is whipping around. The storm in life is, is, is upon you. And maybe some change has happened that's been big. Or, or maybe it's just overwhelming bills that are coming due, and you don't see how you're going to pay your bills. Or maybe, you know, there's something that's happened, you know, at school or somewhere else. And it's just it's just kind of knocked you off balance. Remember, the enemy loves to catch you when you're off balance. And so in that situation, we hear the voice of God. We move towards the Savior. And then the last one is invite Jesus 
into your boat. Just invite Jesus into your boat. And when you invite Jesus to become a part of your life and invite him into your boat, so to speak, then there is a, there is a peace that comes in the midst of the storm like you cannot imagine. And I, I want to say that's a very sweet embrace. I remember as a kid... Um, my parents owned a restaurant in Baker City, Oregon. Anybody know where Baker City, Oregon is? Okay, there we go. We got it. And, and, and there, there was a restaurant called the Inland Cafe. And the Inland Cafe uh, was a restaurant my parents had that made home, they made homemade pies and, and cinnamon rolls. And it was a great little place. But beside the restaurant, there was a house. And it kind of looked like an old bed and breakfast. One of those houses that were over that was over 100 years old and had the different, you know, sloped ceilings and the different rooms and little closets and cubby holes. I mean, it was a cool old house, but the house creaked. It made all kinds of noises. And so for a little kid, second grade, third grade, it was kind of scary sleeping in that house because it was always kind of making these noises. And, and so this particular night, my parents were gone. They were somewhere, and it was my bedtime, so my brother made sure I went to bed. He was six years older than me, and so uh, I went to bed, and I'm in my room. I think it was probably in the winter because there's no light. I mean, it was pitch dark, probably stormy outside, and so I lay down in my bed, and, and I've gone to bed, but I'm still awake. Well, my door is shut, and the lights are off, and it's pitch dark, and I'm still at the age where I'm afraid of the dark, right? Well, anyhow, I'm laying there in bed. And the way the room was situated, my bed was kind of like this with my head here. And I'm, I can see towards the door, but there's a little wall right here. And the door's on the other side of it. And I'm laying in bed, and it's dark, and I know mom and dad are gone. And so I'm probably just a little nervous. I mean, I'm at the age that I... I, I you know, I'm scared of the monsters underneath the bed, okay? So I'm really nervous. And, and, and so I'm laying there in the dark, and all of a sudden I hear this little... And, and the door is open, just, you know, it, well, it sounds like the door is, you know, being open and there's a little squeak and then a little more time passes and and it's opened a little bit more and a little more time passes. And so I hear somebody, something is sneaking into my room and it's pitch black and I'm trying to see I'm just in my eyes and I'm laying there and there that wall, this wall and the doors on the other side. I noticed towards the ground, down by the carpet there, this shadow that kind of moved out beyond the corner of the wall. And so that shadow moved out, and then it moved back. And now, I'm telling you, I am scared to death. There's something that's sneaking into my room. And so I'm laying there in bed, and my heart's beginning to beat like this. And maybe I'm not seeing right, and so I hear the door open a little bit more. And then the shadow pokes out over the, around the edge, the corner of the wall, and I'm seeing that, and now I'm really getting scared, so I put the covers over my head like this. And so now I'm sweating, and I'm breathing fast, and my brother, he is, uh, he's, uh, he's sneaking along the floor like this. I'm scared to death. I don't know what this is. It must be a monster, and, and I can hear it moving closer and closer, and pretty soon I hear this, this chewing, just I mean, this chewing, this loud chewing, and the chewing gets closer and closer and closer. And I'm there in my bed, and my head's covered up, and I'm scared to death. And this loud chewing, and now the chewing's right in my ear. Remember, I'm just a little kid. I'm scared to death. This loud chewing. And I think to myself, well, 
if I'm going to die, I'm going to die screaming. And I threw the covers down and I screamed for all I was worth. Right then, my brother turned on. He pulled the string and turned on the light. And I jumped in my brother's arms. I was crying. Embarrassed to say that, but I was crying. And, and he embraced me. And I probably should have been mad at him. But I had been so petrified, so scared, I was thrilled that it was my brother. And it was a sweet embrace that he gave me. And I was so happy that it was him. I don't know what life, what you're going through right now. I don't know if there's something in your life right now that, that has you terrified. And you're afraid. But I know this, that no matter how bad it is, how rough the storm might be, if you jump in the arms of Jesus, it's going to be a sweet embrace. It's going to be a sweet embrace as Jesus receives you and you respond to him. The sweet embrace of Christ will see you through. I believe that. I know that with all my heart. I want to invite you right now this morning to receive the embrace of Jesus in your life. I don't know what it is that you've been going through. Maybe it is a fear of of taking that spiritual step. I'm wondering, when was the last time that you took a spiritual step? I mean, if you were to be honest this morning. When was the last time you said, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with this? And you bring it to him, not hands up, hanging on to it, but palms down, letting it go, saying, Jesus, I'm going to bring this to you this morning. I'm going to trust you with this. And maybe you've let yourself down ten times. You've failed ten times. Anybody relate to that? You've let yourself down maybe ten times. And, and yet, you know, and the enemy wants you to think about that. But yet this is Jesus today saying to you, bring it to me. Let it go. Palms down. And he will receive it from you. He will take it. And you can have peace. And you can have rest. And it will be a sweet embrace. As you say, Jesus, I'm going to give you what I'm afraid of right now this morning. I want to invite us to bow our heads for just a moment. Let's do that. We're going to have a response time this morning still. But I just want us to bow our heads today. And I want to invite you today to say, Jesus, you know what I've been wrestling with. You know what I've been afraid of. You know what my fear is, Lord. And maybe, again, it's spiritual fear that you're just, you're, you're just hesitant to take that spiritual step and to say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to give this to you. I want to invite you this morning to take that step and say, Jesus, I trust you this morning. Father in heaven, you know where our heart is. You know, Lord Jesus, what each one of us, each man or woman or, or young person today has been wrestling with this past week. And I know that for some of us, fear is not really a big deal, not an issue. But there's some of us, Lord, that fear is a very real emotion in their life. And they've been living with the fear and they're tired of living with that fear. And so, Father in heaven, I just pray right now that you would just come to that one person, that you would overwhelm them with your peace, overwhelm them with your holy presence this morning, and that you would just give victory to that one today that is saying, Jesus, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to not fear what it is that that I'm going to do tomorrow, but I'm just going to trust you today, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for hearing that prayer. Thank you, Father, for just giving rest to that one right now that is seeking your holiness, your peace, and your presence. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name.